Okay, Nazmul, we are recording podcast number one. This is going to be something unique. We came together to create what we think might be the first West meets East in looking at, you can call it offshoring, you can call it outsourcing, but ultimately myself here in North America, we're looking for talent overseas and you serve talent all around the world to customers all around the world. And we thought every week we're going to bring podcasts of demystifying and debunking the myths around offshoring, talking about offshoring or outsourcing best practices. So with that, what I thought we could do in this first podcast is I'm going to tell a couple minute yeah. story as to my experience of how I got here. And then we're going to flip the tables so the audience can hear from you how you decided to serve the global audience. That's not Absolutely. Fair. Jamie, I am excited that we are doing this. This is, this is amazing. I think a lot of people would love to hear both sides of the stories, right? Sometimes you hear one side of the story, but here people get to see both sides of the story. So I am excited. Let's do this, Jamie. Okay. So very quickly, you can read about this on our Get Leverage website, but ultimately, I have a company, Sales for Life, that grew from zero to $3 million very quickly. Unfortunately, through poor financial acumen, we got over our skis and started spending more than we were making. I woke up at the end of 2017, early 2018, and I was $600,000 in the hole in real live cash and $1.2 million in deferred liabilities. I tried a whole bunch of pivots between trying to raise capital, I tried to sell the company. Ultimately, I came to realize the only way I was getting into this problem was to dig myself out. Now, you have two choices. You can make more money, or you can look at the denominator and think about how you save money. And my business partner, uh, Amar Sheth in that company, had been talking to me incessantly how do we reduce costs with human capital? Because he had owned an agency in India. And finally, after six or seven years, I decided to listen to him. So what did I do? We offshored or outsourced our first customer support role in the Philippines. What it did for me was it completely changed uh, and demystified all the legacy biases I may have had around outsourcing or offshoring. Ultimately, that led to each and every role that would come up in our organization. I would do a bit of an, um, a zero-based budgeting exercise intermixed with an um, uh, opportunity or an operational leverage benchmarking. I would benchmark, does the talent need to live in Toronto, Canada? If not, can they live somewhere else? What are the alternatives? Ultimately, over the course of five to six years at Sales for Life, and pipeline signals, and now in Get Leverage, we have teammates in marketing, demand generation, sales, customer success, product, engineering, data analysts, all overseas. And what it does is a whole bunch of quantitative and qualitative opportunities for the business. One is obvious. Because of a labor arbitrage, we are able to have greater gross margins and greater cost of customer acquisition. That allows us to be much more aggressive and competitive in pricing. That allows us to serve in markets and with products 
that our competitors can't. It allows us to make profit in ways that most people can't. And on the personal side, it allows me to have much more optionality with my capital. I could grow the business. I can distribute profit and distributions to myself in ways and serve my family in ways I couldn't. So that's how I got into it. And now I think it's so important that the audience hears the other side of the ocean story of serving North America, Western Europe, and so forth. Yeah. Um, I'll try to keep it short. So I started working with, uh, when, I, when I talk about offshoring or when I talk about working with people from who are not from my country, I, I basically started working with uh, companies in Bangladesh. That's exactly where I'm from. Um, and somebody who knew somebody who, were, who was living in the U.S. got in touch with me and saying, hey, uh, I saw that you were doing this, this, and this work. Uh, we need some help. Can you help us? Uh, that's how it just got started. And I, ever since then, I, I loved working with people around the world. The reason I, I love that, or I, I fell in love with working with people around the, around the world is because, ironically, I love the culture. I love the different way of people speaking, even though they speak English, but people from Austin, Texas speak very different English uh, than somebody from Sydney. I really enjoyed that. I, I, I thought that's a, I mean, a really interesting combination of culture and, and getting to know the culture while getting paid, by the way. So I, that's what I loved about it. Um, and, and obviously that also inspired me to travel a lot. So far, I've traveled more than 15 countries. And, uh, and while I was traveling, I also started meeting, you know, meeting people and making friends and, and, and ended up working with a few of those friends. Um, long or the short, uh, even after 10 years, uh, while I was creating videos just like this, uh, somebody from Pipeline Signal watched that video and introduced me with you. And that's how uh, we ended up working together. Um, and uh, the, the reason why I still do it is because I see that the world now that we live in is, is a, it's a hybrid world. You don't have to think about uh, where you should be living. You, you don't have to worry about um, exactly what kind of uh, you know, regulations you should be maintaining when it comes to working with whoever you want to work with. So it's an open world now, and, and the opportunity is huge, especially think about when COVID happened, right? All of a sudden, people started thinking of how can we work remotely? Before that, people were a lot of, people were worried a lot about how can we work with somebody who is not in the same room they figured out after COVID that you can still work with people who are not in the same room. Now, if they're not in the same room, do they really need to be in the same country? Uh, so things are a lot better now, I would say, in terms of outsourcing or offshoring for both of these part of the world. Uh, and I'm just trying to take the opportunity, and I'm really happy that I'm glad to, uh, that I get to work with you. And this is fantastic because our audience, founders and CEOs listening to this, they're asking themselves, of course, what's in it first for me and my, and, and my company? How do I make my company more profitable? But as you become more comfortable with outsourcing and offshoring, you really start to develop incredible teams and friendships like we're developing. So can you also help our audience, a founder who maybe has passed the mindset, I understand that there is a tremendous opportunity to have my marketing team in Bangladesh. 
or my DevOps in Bangladesh. What have you, who are now scaling this for customers all around the world, what are some important lessons learned? Uh, and of course, we're going to dive into so much of this over yeah. podcast over podcast, but just as a sneak peek, what mm-hmm. have you learned in serving North American customers and finding talent for North Americans? Um, in terms of my learning or what I think that can help founders, one would be setting the right expectation. I think that's very important from you know day one. When I say setting the right expectation is, look, it's, 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 it's very clear that people want to outsource to countries where the living cost is low. Uh, not necessarily, I just want to pay somebody less. That's not the objective. The objective is to get a talent where the living cost is so low that I don't have to pay the exact amount anymore, right? So for say, maybe right now I'm paying $5,000 to a graphic designer, I don't wanna pay that anymore. Not because I want somebody you know, uh, at a lower level or somebody who is less talented. I just want somebody who is living in an area with, uh, uh, with maybe cheaper rent, right? Or, or living cost is lower. Having said that, we also need to understand that maybe you can find somebody uh, that can replace of that $5,000 with $2,000, let's say, right? Uh, but after hiring that $2,000 uh, graphic designer in Bangladesh or, or wherever else, I think the expectation should still be to get the output of $5,000 and not $10,000. We get so much into, hey, uh, we want to outsource and we want to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper when... We do that, and there's nothing wrong with it, by the way, right? We all need to get stuff done. Um, there's a great example of you can buy a pen. If I think about US dollar, you can buy a pen with a dollar. You can also buy pens uh, with you know hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Though there are those pens as well. So it's it's not about uh, the pay the, the amount that I'm paying. It's about yeah, there you go. I don't know how much that is going to cost you. I got this as a wedding gift. <laughs> $400 for a pen, and I would never oh my God. it has our wedding information engraved on it. Yeah. Uh, that's what just, uh, there, there you go, there you go, right? So what I'm trying to tell you is that if we are hiring somebody with $200, we should not be expecting the output of $5,000, somebody who would do that, right? Uh, so having the right expectation, you know, from the founder's side or east side, uh, sorry, west side, I think is a, is a very important thing. That's one. Second, most of the time we do not live in countries where English is the first language. So I think we should not mix up that is somebody talented with how good his or her English is. Obviously, that person needs to have some kind of you know, understanding, the basic uh, knowledge of English where we can communicate, right? Where we can have a beer, as you say. Um, but we, I think we should not be expecting where everybody is going to be very fluent. So mixing these two things shouldn't, is probably not a good idea. I think the expectation can be where can I communicate with this person? If I'm saying a few things, if is 95% of the time is the person trying to understand exactly what I'm telling and, and do they understand it? If 90% of the time they're okay, we should be okay with it. So these are the two things that I can think of right now that founders should be thinking about. This is great. I want to unpack those those elements and then let's fly back up to the original statement because I want also founders and CEOs to understand what the impact when we are building a team offshore, 
the positive impact we're having on those teammates and their families and their communities and how successful they become. I want to come back to that because you're going to hear yeah. from me when I'm talking. A lot of times I'm going to be talking about profit, gross margins, mm-hmm. cash, distributions, because that's how us founders, the whole reason we start. Mm-hmm. But then we discover that there's a qualitative element, successful qualitative element. But I want to come back. You and I were just interviewing some talent minutes ago for a customer. And I think what you said is profound. Separating the mutual exclusivity between talent of skills, soft skills, technical capabilities versus English proficiency and how they're not correlated. They could be the most talented engineer, the most talented graphic designer, but us as founders, when we hear the English, we associate, oh, they don't understand me. They must not get it. They must not be good at their job. They must, I can't. How do you, let's look at it from West and East. How do you help candidates? How do you help talent in Bangladesh understand that you are, your responsibility here in, in not only getting hired, but as you onboard and become successful, that you must balance those two very important elements because people are hiring you for the skills to do X. But if you can't communicate it or understand it or digest it, none of it's going to matter. So unpack it from the the East side. You are completely right. 100%. I 100% agree with you. The thing is, because we don't get to talk a lot, we don't get to practice a lot, that's why we're not getting better. Uh, here's what I think. I think we are good at listening. Maybe after that, we're okay with writing. We're not necessarily always really good with speaking. So maybe we have some thoughts that we want to share with you, uh, but it's because we don't know exactly how to put the words together. Uh, it's hard. Having said that, I think a lot of people are now understanding more and more on how them getting a job is, has a lot to do with how well they can communicate in English. That's something a lot of people did not think about before, but nowadays I think a lot more people are aware about it. Um, a lot more people are uh, out there practicing. How can they get better? There are a lot more English institutions in Bangladesh right now, and I'm sure there are other uh, institutions in other countries. And I also know that there are some um, online coaching centers where people go and, and sign up. I'll give you my own example. About two years ago, I, I joined an English uh, academy, um, and I spent about, I want to give you the number so that others can relate as well. I spent about uh, $1,500 just with one-on-one private tutor so that I can get better in English. Um, I'm still not great, but I'm still, I think I've gotten a little better after that happened. So I just give you, I just wanted to give you my own example. And I, there are a lot of other people who are actively working on getting their English better. But I think this is one message. I'm, I'm really happy that you brought this up and I'm sure we will have viewers from both, both East and West and viewers from East would totally uh, get benefited from this conversation. 
Well, people listening, uh, if you if you think about what we're building here is a two sided marketplace, right? Founders are going to meet great yep. talents around the world, and great talent is going to listen to this as well. Yeah, you invested a thousand dollars into yourself. What did it do for you? Look at the rate card that because you started a marketing consultancy yeah. who served the local Bangladesh market, who then took on international customers, who now you're a fractional CMO for all kinds of companies, and you build out entire marketing teams, including for Pipeline Signals and Sales for Life and Get Leverage. What was the pre and post? What was your rate card or success rate before you did all this? And where is it today? Now, of course, you've gained experience. No, got, got it. Help others understand that that was the simplest investment you made to making massive amounts of gain. This is what I tell to my colleagues or whoever who wants to speak with me regarding, hey, I want to work with people from West or US or Canada. You can easily, easily, uh, like I'm, I'm giving you the lowest amount. You can easily charge 30% extra just because your English is good, good enough. You can double the rate if your English is good. You can triple it if your English is great. And here's the thing, doesn't matter what kind of service we're talking about, doesn't matter what kind of work we're talking about, most of, we definitely have to communicate, that's one thing. And in most cases, we have to apply English. Think about marketing, how do we market? With words, with photos, with videos. What goes on these photos or videos or words? English, right? So, and, and think about anything, anything else. I think in most cases, in most kind of, whatever kind of work we do, you have to be good in English, not because, not just because it's a, it's, it's a factor, it's, it's, a, it's a tool where we communicate, but also you have to use it in your everyday life where you're working. So, yeah, absolutely. I would, I would totally say you can literally triple your whatever you want to charge just because you're good in English. And, and it's not just because you're good in English. Think about from the founder's perspective. Think about from from the people who want to work with you. Why do they want to work with you? I think people want to work with you because you want, they want you to make their life easier, I'm sure, right? You want me to make your life easier. You don't want to worry about marketing and that's why you hired me, right? That's why we're, we're working together. You also don't want to worry about, hey, am I communicating the right way? Did he understand exactly what I mean? Was that instruction clear? You don't want to worry about it every single time. So by me being good, good in English, by me being a good listener and by me being able to digest what you just said and, you know, execute on that way, I'm also making your life a lot more, you know, easier. So um, when I mentioned that you can triple your salary or income, I'm, I'm not necessarily trying to tell you that let's use as a tool to triple your salary. You are making people's life easier. And that's why you get to charge a lot more. And this is important. You know, we have a tool for founders and CEOs at Get Leverage called, uh, um, it's like a leveraging benchmarking. So it mm -hmm. takes the operating leverage cost of talent in Bangladesh versus Philippines, and we'll expand it to other countries. But we'll invite, on this podcast, we'll invite some of our teammates from the Philippines. And the Philippines, because of its history around World War II and American air bases, English over the last 75 to 100 years has become so proficient. And it comes back to an original topic that you and I just mentioned. Talent is talent everywhere. 
And in fact, when it comes to marketing talent, let's assume that the social media manager in Manila, Philippines, and in Dhaka, Bangladesh, have the exact same experience. Yet, the Philippines teammate will charge more per hour, per day, per month because of English proficiency. And in fact, that labor arbitrage sometimes is dramatic. If you look at that rate card in the Philippines, where costs are not any more bloated than they are in Bangladesh, the talent is charging you sometimes two times the cost. Why? Communication skills. Um, I wanted to touch on something from the founder's perspective. We, we just yeah. talked about the East looking at this particular topic. Coming back to the founders and CEOs, when you're looking at talent, separating the mutually exclusive, do I need incredible communication intermixed with incredible technical skills or not? And we call this level one versus level two versus level three. Level one is, a, a, we have a nickname for it called the crew, which is task mastery. Give task, execute task. Level two can lead a team. Take an existing process, run process A to B. They don't really invent the process. They just manage it. Level three is what Nazmul's doing. Completely run an entire business unit from scratch. Build it out better, faster, cheaper than I could ever dream in a million years. The reason this is important is if you look at it from a founder's perspective, not every teammate on your team needs to be wildly English proficient like you are. As an example, Nazmul is leading marketing, but on our six other, seven other marketers that we have on the team, some of their roles are not customer facing. As an example, they have a 2D animator. Nazmul is the communicator of the tasks. That 2D animator needs to be the best 2D animator. But that doesn't mean you discount their skills because their English isn't as proficient as it could have been. And this will open your eyes to an entire ecosystem of talent where you separate, do I need to communicate? Yes, because they're in customer success. No, because they're an engineer. If not, then I can start analyzing talent for talent's sake. Um, Nazmul, um, I wanted to bring us back. You know, we're looking at the time. This first podcast, we just meant to kind of get our stories out there. Yeah. And then we're going to have topics of the week. But um, maybe tell the audience, founders and CEOs, what has um, – been the most important qualitative or quantitative changes that you have seen in their companies as you, as marketing talent, because you really serve the marketing community, as yeah. marketing talent in Bangladesh is serving North Americans and Western Europeans, what has been the profound changes to their business from your eyes, from your perspective? Sure, I'll answer that, and I have a I have a question for you. So I'll I'll ask that okay. after this. The way everybody's life have improved, or the way the entire company has improved. This is how I put it. I ask them, what kind of budget do you have? Um, uh, it doesn't matter uh, if it is too low or too high. What kind of budget do they do you have? Now, when they say I have ten thousand dollars, just just give you an example, right? Uh, they say I have ten thousand dollars. 
And with that $10,000, they cannot hire more than three people in their team from, okay? So when they are outsourcing, one, I'm telling them, okay, let's keep the same budget. We're not going to lower the budget, but here's what we're going to do. Instead of hiring three people with that budget, we can hire those three people or even five with, with half of that cost, right? So now we don't need the $10,000 just on resources, just on um, you know hiring people. So we're spending that probably $5,000 on hiring three people or five people. I'm just giving you an example. We still have $5,000 left. What I always suggest to companies that I always I have been working with is that now let's take the other $5,000 and use it on other kind of marketing activities. For example, we can still run uh, ads with that $2,500. How amazing is that? So till now, you did not have any budget whatsoever for, to run ads. And now all of a sudden you have minimum $24,000 uh, budget every year just on ads. So that's what I always tell people. I'm like, this is what, again, I'm just summarizing the whole thing. I always say, it's not about lowering the budget. It's not about spending less money. It's about utilizing the budget you have. How can you best optimize the budget you have as a small company, as a medium company, and make the best use of the investment that you're going to make? That's Love how it. you get to save money as well as invest more. So you get to earn a lot more money with that. Love it. Love it. Okay. We're going to do a yeah. wrap up. Light me up. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. I want to ask you this. So I'm sure there are a lot of people who just come and, and always ask you this. Why, when would you say outsourcing is bad? When do you think people should not outsource? I think that from a founder and CEO's perspective, yeah. and there's a, a method to the madness of why we designed courseware to really go through the why into the how and then into scaling. Mm -hmm. I believe that they should not begin the journey unless they can truly in their own souls, understand their why they're doing this. My mm -hmm. why was first selfishly to keep Sales for Life from imploding and it needed to survive. Okay. Mm -hmm. I needed to save money. Then I discovered by saving money, profit grew. I had a, all kinds of optionality with that money. I could pay myself more. Oh man, did I want to do that? I could, uh, I could expand. I could launch new products. So I believe that you should not offshore unless you could articulate your why, be very honest with yourself. Don't worry if it feels self-serving, there's going to be parts of that capital of money saved that could be because you wanna do things with your family, you wanna do things with your business, you wanna pay off debt, you wanna uh, buy out an old partner, whatever it is. But then that's step one, step two, you need to be able to stand in front of your team and articulate that why, knowing that and your team means all key stakeholders. That means investors, employees, customers, and you have to be able to look everybody in the eye and say, I am doing this because I am convicted that these are the best reasons I should do this. I want to do this. I want you to all get behind me because, and they're going to, especially employees are going to ask themselves, what's in it for me? Well, teammates, you no longer need to be focused on these set of tasks, which 
seem to drive you crazy and we have employee churn issues because you hate doing it, we now have talent that can help us with that. Oh, investors, you have been after us about getting more profitable. I've found a way to get more profitable, but you have to be able to defend it. If you can't do those that two-sided function, believe it yourself and convey it to others, then I do not think you should do it because ultimately what you're going to do is you're going to hire talent, Bangladesh, Philippines, South Africa, doesn't matter the country. They're going to come in. There will be problems. There will be headaches. There will be mistakes. You will let people go and you won't be convicted and you'll say, oh, this doesn't work. And or your first customer will complain about it for some reason. And you'll say, oh, since our customer said we can't do this, we shouldn't do it. You won't have conviction. So I hope that was a long winded way of saying you must believe in what you're doing. Don't do it otherwise. <laughs> that is fantastic. I, I, I wasn't thinking that way. Um, I, I love the fact that you answered it that way. Jamie, I am super excited for our next and the next and the next episode. Let's do yeah, this. Let's do this. Exactly. So we are intending to record every single week, providing you value, West and East perspective of outsourcing, offshoring, so that you understand that this is not a murky world. This is not you know, all myths and unicorns that companies just like yourselves are doing this and doing this successfully. So yeah. Nazmul, fantastic. Great to uh, have episode one under the books with you. Absolutely. And guys, if you want to keep watching this more kind of uh, videos like this or more podcasts from us, please subscribe if you're watching on YouTube or any other platform and hit that like button. Thank you and see you on the next episode.